Good morning, New Life. Such a pleasure and a privilege for me to be here in the house of the Lord with you all this morning. I want to welcome those who are watching us and joining us in worship online. I love when my twin sister, Jana, gives the announcements. It's really fun to be able to watch that. I used to actually work for the crisis pregnancy of uh, Tidewater for many, many years. And the thing that we say here at New Life is that we are life-affirming church. How many of you know that that term pro-life can be politicized and it can mean something other than what we want it to mean, but we are a life-affirming church. So I do want to encourage you all to go see the representatives in the lobby. Pastor Melvin, Pastor Wayne, I honor you all today. And I also honor Cheryl Crosby, who holds it down for us every single week online. You all, today I am here with my husband, Sean. We have been married for, it'll be 25 years in July. Praise God, praise God. And those years have been full of some struggle bus moments, amen? We have gone through some seasons in our marriage where things were really, really difficult. Times where I didn't know if we were gonna make it and I didn't know if I was gonna make it, to be honest with you. You see, the enemy had gotten into my head And not only was I going through things in my life, but the enemy began to torture and taunt me in my mind. That's that's how the enemy works. And there was a time where I was a believer, you guys. I was a Christian, but I didn't know how to fight. I didn't know how to fight back. So when the enemy would come and he would start his lies and he would start with his taunts, I just was like, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. But something radically shifted in my life when I learned who I was in Christ. When I learned that I was not a victim, but that I was a victor. When I learned how to wield this weapon, the sword of the spirit. When I learned how to pray under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That's when everything changed in my life. And consequently, everything changed in my marriage. I want to tell you all today that you have some weapons You have some weapons. You see, when you became a believer, when you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, not only did Jesus forgive you of your sins, but you became a part of the army of God. You stepped out of the kingdom of darkness and into his marvelous light, into the kingdom of light. And guess what? Because you did that, you became an enemy of of Satan, of the enemy. You became his enemy, And so he is going to do everything in his power to try to pull you back into the kingdom of darkness, to try to forget and make you forget who you are in Christ. Because God loves you, Satan hates you. And many of you might not realize, but spiritual warfare is a real thing. Come on, I know that we are in this big push for mental health awareness, and I think it's great. I think we need to talk about mental health. But how many of you know that there are some things that are not mental health? There are some things that is demonic activity. And as born-again, spirit-filled Christian believers, we have got to learn how to discern the difference and to know that, yes, therapy is great. I've been in therapy and coaching the better half of my adult life, but there are some things that therapists cannot do. There are some things that a pill cannot do. There are some things that a book cannot do. There are some things that only God, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the weapons of our warfare, can do. So this morning, we're going to talk about warfare. We're going to talk about warfare. And just to be clear, I don't go around looking for spiritual warfare, okay? I don't see demons behind everything. 
But I'm also not unaware to know that there is demonic forces. There are principalities. Come on. There are angels of darkness who want to do everything in their power to thwart the purposes of God in your life. This morning, we're going to be reading out of the book of Ephesians 6. I want you to go ahead and get your Bibles open. And let's just open this time in prayer. Worship has been so sweet. I always listen to worship on my way in from Kempsville. And a shout out to Kelly Gossman, who's one of my closest friends, and Sunita and the whole worship team, the whole team, everybody, the sound folks, the drummer, everybody. Thank you for leading us into the presence of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you so much. We are so grateful, God, to be in your presence. Father, we thank you that you have equipped and called us, Lord, to the work of ministry. Lord God, we thank you that you didn't just leave us without a comforter. You have given us your Holy Spirit. And you haven't also left us, Lord, without a way to fight back against the schemes of the enemy. So today, Father, we incline our ears to wisdom. We incline our hearts to understanding. Lord, would you speak through your word and would we be changed and transformed forever? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to first start off by talking about what is spiritual warfare? Because spiritual warfare isn't just the demonic activity that we think of. Spiritual warfare, simply put, is simply opposition or resistance. Whenever you are facing opposition or resistance from the kingdom of darkness, you are in spiritual warfare. There are many times that we think things are happening in the natural, but it's really spiritual warfare. And if we are not armored up, and if we do not understand the weapons that we have to fight back, we will not make it. You see, we believe that Christ, he is our redeemer. As we sang this, this morning, he has overcome. But guess what? There is a time where God has says, I have overcome, but you're going to have to fight. When the Lord gave the Israelites the promised land, he said, this is all for you. This is your land. But what did they have to do to obtain it? They had to fight. There were enemies in the land and they had to contend. This is why we pray because there are things that God wants to give us church, but you'll never receive them if you don't pray. If you don't stand your ground, if you don't fight and contend against the enemy, you will never walk fully in the promises and the blessings of God. Satan is a fallen angel. You all know that. He used to be one of the archangels in heaven. He was over the worship ministry in heaven. But he got in his head that he wanted to be like God. And so through his rebellion, God kicked him out of heaven along with a third of the angels. That is what makes up the kingdom of darkness. And the kingdom of darkness didn't just go away when Jesus left. How many times do we talk about deliverance? When's the last time as a born again, spirit filled Christian believer that you cast a demon out of somebody? Oh, me? Oh, no, that's for the pastors. I can't do that. Well, in my Bible, Jesus said that in his name, we would cast out demons. We would heal the sick. We would raise the dead. It's for all of us, church. You have more power than you realize. So let's read Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. I'm actually reading out of the new uh, international version here. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, Put on the full armor of God. Somebody say full. Type in full in the chat online so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Your struggle is not against your neighbor who won't cut their grass. Your struggle is not against your wayward spouse. 
Your struggle is not against your boss or that employee that won't do their work. Your struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Somebody say full. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Here are the weapons. With the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which with, with uh, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. These are the weapons, and we're going to come back to verse 18. These are the weapons that we have been given for warfare. You see, in the time that Paul wrote this book to the church of Ephesus, Rome was a superpower in the world. So he was using an analogy that they would have been very familiar with, a Roman soldier. And he actually gives them these weapons in the progression that a Roman soldier would have put them on. So the Roman soldier would have first put on the belt and then he would have put on the breastplate. So let's break these weapons down. Number one, the belt of truth. The belt of truth wasn't like a standard belt that we would wear around our waist today. The belt of truth was a thick belt, almost like a weightlifter's belt. Anybody in here lifted weights and you need that weight, you need the extra support from that weightlifter's belt. That's what the belt of truth was like. And the belt of truth served several purposes. It held that breastplate in place and it also, again, gave stability to that soldier. How many of you know that we need to walk around with truth? We need to stop believing everything that we see and hear and read on social media. Just because it rhymes does not make it true. There are a lot of people who are profiling on social media and we're just retweeting, resharing, and we don't even know that that's not the truth. When you walk in the truth of God's word, you can stand confidently. You will be stable. You will be immovable. When the things and the storms of life come, you will stand your ground because you've got the belt of truth that is holding you up. The belt of truth. Number two, the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate protects the heart and all the other vital organs. This is why the book of Proverbs says, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. We've got to guard our heart and that breastplate of righteousness. What does it mean to be righteous? It means that we live rightly before the Lord. As believers, we are called to live righteously. Is God a God of grace? Absolutely. Do we sin? Yes, we do. And we ask for forgiveness, but we are called to live righteously. When you live righteously, you actually protect yourself from unnecessary warfare. There was a woman who uh, uh, DM'd me last night. She doesn't go to our church, but she sent me a message last night. I'm a marriage coach also, if you didn't know that. And she was asking me a question about her marriage. And she said, I've been married to this man. We got married in our early 20s. I was a Christian. He was not. I knew he was not a Christian. I was like, whoa. The Bible says, do not be unequally yoked together with non-believers. So you intentionally defy the word of God. That's why you're calling me today. (laughs) Because guess what? When we defy the word of God, when we do not live righteously, we open ourselves up to unnecessary warfare. 
So she wanted to know, should I leave my husband? No, ma'am. The Bible does not give you permission to leave the husband. The Bible says if the non-believing spouse wants to walk away, let them get to step in. But you, sister, have a responsibility to live as a godly woman before the Lord and pray for mercy in your marriage. When we defy the word of God, we walk into unnecessary spiritual warfare. Now, God will forgive us. Praise God. He's merciful. But how many of you know that he doesn't always remove the consequences? There's going to be times in our lives that even though we're forgiven, we still have to walk out those consequences because of our own disobedience. So how do we avoid that? Live righteously. Live righteously before the Lord. You see, Satan doesn't care that you're a Christian. He doesn't care that you come to church. He doesn't care that you know the songs, that you bop along, that you listen to K-Love. He doesn't care about any of that. What he does care about is the day that you realize who you are in Christ, the day that you realize you've got some weapons to fight back, the day that you start fighting back and you start picking up these weapons, that's when you become a threat to the kingdom of darkness. Then we've got our shoes of peace, shoes of peace. I was listening to Ava and uh, I think it was, um, it was Casey. They were talking earlier about kindness, shoes of peace. How often do people think, you know, that person's a Christian and they're a person of peace? Not very often, unfortunately. In the world, the world Christian is not synonymous with peace. It's synonymous with a whole bunch of other words. But we as believers are supposed to be people of peace. And not just any peace, but the gospel of peace. You see, the gospel is what bridges the gap between sinners and God. That's good news, church. That's why it's called the gospel. That means everywhere you go, you should be a conduit of God's gospel. You should be a conduit of the peace of God that you have received in your life. Therefore, you want to share that peace with everybody that you come in contact with. You see, the Roman soldiers, when they would fight, they didn't use combat boots like our military does today. Their boots were more like sandals. And those sandals allowed them to be flexible and they could move around a little bit better. But on the bottom of those sandals were these spokes that they would put in the ground that made them stable, that made them immovable. When you walk around with the gospel of peace, the enemy cannot tell you who you are. The enemy can no longer tell you that you belong to him. The enemy cannot take the assurance of your salvation because you walk in the gospel of peace, readiness of the gospel of peace. That means that you need to always be ready. You need to be ready in season and out of season. When someone asks you for the hope that is within you, when someone says, you know what, I know your life and I know that your life is in shambles right now. How do you have so much peace? You can say, it's not me. It's not by my power, not by my strength, but it's by the spirit. I'm walking in the spirit of peace because this is my weapon evangelism is a spiritual weapon. Use it. Number four, the shield of faith. I love this one. The shield of faith extinguishes the fiery arrows of the enemy. Do you know that Satan watches you and he knows where you're most vulnerable? Oh yes, he does. The Bible says in first Peter that he is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That means that he's looking, he's listening to your conversations and he knows where you're most vulnerable. So when we take up that shield of faith, we get to extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. But not only do we get to extinguish those individual darts, but guess what? Faith is also communal. We need the body of Christ. Look at your neighbor and say, I need you. Look at the neighbor who is your second choice and say, I need you too. 
We need one another. This image that you see right now is an image of a Roman formation. They would have the first line of soldiers that had their shield and those shields were interlocked one to another, one to another, and then rows second and back, they also had those shields and they would put them on top of the Roman officers and they would go together, marching in formation together. And when they did that, even when the enemy was atop of them and shot those flaming darts, they were impenetrable. They were impenetrable because they had their shield of faith. How many of you have someone that you are walking with in formation? How many of you have a prayer partner? How many of you all don't just come to church, but you're in a small group? How many of you are serving in this church so that when the storms of life come and you walk through spiritual warfare, you're not the lone ranger Christian on your own? Come on, Satan loves to isolate us. He loves to isolate us. He can get you off by yourself. He can take you out just like that. But when you go in formation, somebody wrote a song called Formation, but we're going to rewrite that song and we're going to say, Christians, it's time for us to get in formation. It's time for us to get in formation with other believers and wield that shield of faith that will extinguish every fiery dart of the enemy. Number five, the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. The helmet protects your mind. It protects your mind. The enemy is after your mind. In America, we've got a mental health crisis. Stats say out of 330 million Americans, about 250 million are adults. And of those 258 million, 20 million or 8% are struggling with chronic depression. Now, I think it's higher than that based on the folks that I've talked to and the conversations that I've heard, but 8%, let's go with that. That's what the National Association for Mental Illness says. 20 million Americans suffering from chronic depression. And then another 20 million Americans are suffering from substance abuse and mental health disorders. Get this, 19% of Americans, that's 50 million, are struggling with anxiety. That's almost one in five. Look on your row, count one, two, three, four, five, anxiety. One, two, three, four, five, anxiety. The enemy is after our minds. But when you wear your helmet of salvation, you can fight back against him. A few years ago, I was counseling a couple here at New Life, and they had called me because their son was acting a fool, okay? This kid was doing any and everything that you could think of. He was getting high. He was coming in late. He was cursing his parents. Now, when I heard that part, I said, oh, I've got a weapon I can tell you about that you can utilize, sister, okay? Because I don't do the cursing your parents thing, okay? But he was doing all kinds of stuff. So they asked me if I would come over and pray. I said, absolutely. So I come over to their house. And as soon as I walk in the house, you all, I could feel this weight come on me. There was a spirit of oppression in that house. And I looked at that couple and I said, how's your marriage? What are you all going through? And they said, we're really going through right now. And they started telling me about some of the things that they were experiencing. And I said, okay, that may have been the access door. I said, where's your son's room? I want to go upstairs to his bedroom. Go get me some oil. I don't care what you got, coconut, canola, whatever you got. You don't need to buy the $40 oil they sell on TBN. Just go get you some oil, okay? 
So they came and they got me the oil and I go into his room. His room was actually pretty clean. I was like, okay, okay. So I go and I start anointing everything. I start anointing the doorpost, the closet door, the doorknob. I'm sprinkling oil on the sheets. I'm like, this boy is going to be real oily when he comes up in this room tonight. The lamp, everything. And as I'm anointing that room, I'm saying, this child does not belong to you, Satan. You have no right to this child. His parents know the Lord and we are going to stand against you. We are going to declare the word of the Lord. And I said that, mom, you start saying the same thing after me. I'm teaching her right now. This is how we fight our battles. This is how we war. We're not going to lock your son. They had locked their son up in a psych institute. We're not doing that anymore. We've got some weapons that we can fight against. We've got some weapons. So after we did all that, we went downstairs and drank some coffee and I left. About a week later, the mom calls me, Pastor Dana, I don't know what happened. But my son apologized to me and my husband for cursing us. My son's not getting high anymore. I don't know what happened. Lady, you don't know what happened. We broke some chains up in there. That's what happened. Don't be shocked when the Lord actually comes through for you. You've got weapons. And when you begin to use those weapons, they are powerful against the kingdom of darkness. When is the last time that you cast a demon out? When is the last time that you stood your ground against the enemy? When is the last time that you said, I bind you, Satan, in the name of Jesus? The Bible says whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It's time for us to start binding some stuff. It's time for us to stop coming into an agreement with what the world is saying about us and our children and our families and our communities. It is time for us to stand our ground. It is time for us to put on that helmet. Finally, the sword of the spirit. This is one of my favorite things to talk about. The sword of the spirit is the word of God. As Christians living in America, there is no reason that we should not be reading this word. This is your nourishment. This is your spiritual food. You are not that busy. Come on, I'm too busy to read the word. You're not too busy to eat that hamburger. You are not too busy to read the word. You got the word in several different translations. If you don't have a good translation that you can understand, get one. Read the children's Bible if you have to, but read the word of God. You got the Bible app. We've got all kinds of tools and tricks that will help us, but we have to be diligent to reading the word. How would you be if you went seven, 10, 12 weeks without eating? You would be malnourished, you would be weak. And that's what happens to believers when we don't prioritize the word of God. And we wonder why the enemy is running roughshod all up in our families is because we're not reading the word of God. But we don't just read it. We've then got to speak the word of God. We've then got to pray the word of God. We've got to come in alignment with what God's word says about us, with who God says that we are in his word. This is our weapon. As I was preparing for this message on spiritual warfare, I was going through some spiritual warfare. Go figure. And I texted a few of my friends and I said, you guys, I'm praying this weekend. I really need you all to pray. And I have great friends. I'm so grateful. And one of my friends, one of my best friends, Kisha, who's here with us today, she sent me a scripture out of Jeremiah. I want to read this to you all. She sent me Jeremiah 1. And I was just kind of going through some stuff in my own mind. And y'all pray for, pray for the preachers here. This is not, we don't take this lightly. When, when you're preparing a word for the Lord, the enemy is going to attack. 
And so my friend sent me this message and this is, I'm going to read it to you, but I'm going to read it to you in the way that I began to declare it. I read it and then I said, oh, we're going to work, Lord. So I read it like this. I said, now the word of the Lord has come to me saying, before you, Lord, before you knew me in my mother's womb, and you approved me as your chosen instrument. And before I was born, you consecrated me to yourself. You have appointed me, God, as a prophet to the nations. So I will not be afraid of them or their hostile faces. Some of y'all got some hostile faces up in here. For I, Lord God, you said you are with me always to protect me and deliver me. Lord, I thank you that you stretched out your hand and you touched my mouth. I thank you, God, that you said, behold, I have put your words in my mouth. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over kingdoms to uproot and break down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Father God, that my confidence is not in myself, but it's in you. I thank you, Father God, that you have appointed me and anointed me. That's how you pray the word of God. You got to get you a scripture. Everybody in here should have at least one life scripture that you stand on in times of adversity, that you go to and you say, this is my weapon. This is my offensive weapon. How many of you, if you had a gun in your home, I have guns, can I say that? Is that okay, Sean? <laughs> we have guns up in our house, so you roll up on us if you want to, you're gonna be surprised. And I know I'm not a girl that don't know how to use a weapon. Okay, I go to the gun range, you're gonna be surprised. Now, how many of you, if you had a gun in your house, and there was a burglar outside of your home, would be like, oh, I don't know what to do. Oh, and you start looking around at it. You know what to do. You go wield that weapon and that burglar will flee. How many of you know the Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you? How do we resist the word of God? Every single time that the devil came up against Jesus, Luke 4, he would say what? It is written. It is written. It is written. It is written. We have to know the word of God and speak it appropriately when the enemy comes up against us. Use your weapon. Our final weapon that we have is prayer. Let's read Ephesians 6.18. It says, and pray and the spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Prayer is what connects us to God. Prayer is so powerful. And this is why the enemy works overtime to keep you from praying, to make you feel like you're not worthy enough to pray, to make you feel like, I don't pray like Pastor Melvin prays. I can't pray. I don't know what the words are. I fall asleep when I'm praying. I used to be guilty of that. Every time I would uh, pray, I would fall asleep. And when I was in high school, one of my Bible teachers said, isn't that the best way to fall asleep though, Dana? And I was like, thank you for that. Guilt gone. Now, if you're always falling asleep at 12 o'clock in the afternoon, there might be a problem, okay? <laughs> but pray at all times, the Bible says. Pray at all times. Listen, there are some things that the armor of God gives us the responsibility to do. Put that uh, belt on, wear that breastplate, right? There's our responsibility, but then there are some things that only God can do. When we pray, we activate that power that only God can do. So we pray at all times. When is all times? All times. That means when I'm in the shower, when I'm in the bathroom, God go with you in the bathroom. He's okay. When I'm in the bathroom, when I'm happy, when I'm sad, when I'm afraid, when I don't know what to do, when I know what to do, when I want to celebrate, pray at all times. Well, I don't know if I should pray about that. Y'all pray about everything. 
I pray about what outfit I should wear. I pray about should I wear lashes today or should I not? I mean, I pray about everything. Don't be afraid to pray about the little things. God cares and he wants you to ask. Pray in the spirit. Come on now, as Pentecostals, and every time we say Pentecostals, I know the Baptists and Methodists start shaking in their boots. We're not talking about denominations here. We're talking about people who believe in the outflowing and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. If you believe in the Holy Spirit, you pray in the Spirit. What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? It means that you, if you have a prayer language, you pray in your prayer language. There are times that our English language fails us. That we just don't know. Lord, I I just said all I can say and I still feel this burden. I don't know what else to say. I'm going into my prayer language. I'm going into that secret place where only you, Holy Spirit, know what I'm saying. If you have a prayer language, use it. Use it. And if you don't have a prayer language and you desire one, ask. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will be given to those who ask. But we don't only pray in tongues. The Bible says the Holy Spirit intercedes with us with groanings that cannot be uttered. If you grew up in church, you ever seen those old church mamas and they're just rocking and moaning and mm, those are groanings that can't be uttered. Some things are just too heavy for you to even put into words. But when you begin to groan and you begin to travail and the Holy Spirit, that is praying in the spirit and God hears those prayers and he's going to come through for you in those prayers. Pray in the spirit. You know, I was telling the nine o'clock service, I said, I'm looking forward to the day when I get pulled over by a cop. And I say, I was just driving under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Now, my husband's a firefighter. And so we've got firefighter tags on our car. So that has gotten me out of a few incidences. But I still am looking forward to the day when I get to say that. Pray under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Pray Jesus's prayers. Go into the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Find the words that are in red and just repeat them. With faith. If Jesus prayed it, do you think we should pray it? Do you think Jesus got his prayers answered? Absolutely. So we're going to pray under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Number three, we're going to pray with all kinds of prayers and requests. Do you all know there's different ways to pray? Some of you have come from different denominations and you're like, those people in New Life are awfully loud and awfully boisterous. And we are, and we believe in declaring, and we believe in decreeing, and we believe in casting down, but that's not the only way to pray. There's sometimes that your prayers are going to be more soft, more contemplative. There's going to be sometimes when your prayer is silent communion with the Lord. There's going to be prayers of thanksgiving, prayers of deliverance, prayers of repentance, prayers of victory. Pray all kinds of prayers. Some of us need to diversify our prayer lives. Don't be a one-trick pony. Satan already knows, oh, there they go again. No, we're going to diversify our prayer life. And then it says, and with all kinds of requests, God wants you to ask him for things. Sometimes I'm guilty because I have four kids and they always asking me for stuff. My son sends me cash out requests all the time. I'm like, kid, leave me alone. I'm just trying to live my life. My goodness. But guess what? God is not that way. God says, ask. I want to give you things. So we ask. Nothing is too small and nothing is too large for him. Ask God for what you need. Number four, pray with alertness. Somebody say, watch and pray. Watch and pray. Jesus told his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. We have got to be discerning and dare I say, woke. Oh, I know I stepped on some toes there. Listen, 
What's the opposite of woke? Y'all can be asleep. I'm going to be woke. Okay. I am going to be alert. I am going to walk in discernment. I am going to understand that everything that I see with my natural eye is not all there is to it. The Bible says that the angel, uh, Satan comes like an angel of light. He knows how to disguise himself. He knows exactly what you want. He knows your prayers because he's listening to them. If you are not discerning, if you are not awake and alert, you will fall into his temptation. Pray with alertness. Stay awake. The enemy wants to lull you to sleep. He does that through entertainment. This is why the media fast that Pastor Joel talked about last week, that's important too. But guess what? Fasting is also important. There is a a power that comes when you put away the plate. When you say, God, I'm hungry. I've been fasting, preparing for this message. Am I hungry? Yes. My stomach is like, come on, Dana, feed us. And I'm saying no to my flesh because there is a higher power that I need to access in the spirit. When you say no to your flesh, when you say no to your temptation, you walk in a deeper power with God. There are some things you will not access until you fast. Some of you have never fasted before. Well, I don't want to fast. I'm going to be hungry. Yes, you will. But guess what? God is going to sustain you. Jesus said, I have food that you guys don't know anything about. When you tap into that dimension, oh, you're a threat to the enemy. Number five, pray with perseverance. Matthew 7, 7 teaches us, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Some of us pray for something for two weeks and we don't get our prayer answered and we're like, oh, well, I guess it wasn't the Lord's will. No, keep on praying. Keep on praying. Keep on asking. There are some spiritual warfare situations that might last for years. When we're in a war with another nation, that war doesn't start on Monday and end on Friday. Sometimes those wars rage on for years and years and years. Are you willing to persevere in your prayers? Or are you going to give up because God doesn't answer your prayer on day seven? We need to learn how to persevere. We need to learn how to travail. We need to learn how to say, Lord, I'm not leaving here. Like Jacob said, I'm not leaving here until you bless me. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep persisting until I see the answer come. We pray with perseverance. And then finally, we pray for all the Lord's people. We have to learn that our prayers are not just for us. At Kimsville, they're having some Wednesday night services, uh, prayer services during the month of prayer. Last week was for marriages, and of course I went because that's kind of my jam. But next week is for singles. I'm not single, but guess who's going to prayer? Me. Why? Because it's not just about us and our situation. There are times that you have been called to intercede for another believer. When their faith is weak, your faith is strong. When their burdens are too heavy for them to bear, the Bible says what? Bear each other's burdens and therefore fulfill the law of Christ. We get to bear one another's burdens. I get to say, sis, you're weak, but I'm here for you. You don't have to worry about what you're going through because I got you. I got you in the night watch. You go ahead and rest. You go ahead and go to sleep because I'm going to intercede for you. Pray for all of God's people. Family, I believe that there are many of us, we've read Ephesians 6 before, we know what the weapons are, we see our armor, we're like, okay, cool, that's great. And then we put our armor in the closet somewhere. Some of you haven't touched our armor for 22 years. That helmet's all dusty. The leather on the belt is coming all unworn. It's time for us to armor up. 
It's time for us to stop allowing the enemy to beat us all around like we don't know who we are in Christ. It's time for us to stand up. It's time for us to recognize that there is power in prayer and there is power in the weapons of God. You see, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. You've got somebody in your family who's depressed. You need to apply some armor to that. You've got a divorce impending in your marriage. You need to say, no, Satan, you're not going to have my marriage. You're not going to have my children. You're not going to have my community. You're not going to have my pastors. I'm standing in my armor. I'm wielding my sword and I know how to pray. This is what it means to fight. This is what it means to fight our battles. So church, I just came here to tell you today to armor up, armor up. This is your inheritance in Christ. You are not a victim. You are not a victim. You're a victor. Stop coming into alignment with what the enemy says about you. My 16-year-old son told me the other day, he said, Mom, I'm broke. I said, you're not broke. You just don't have any money right now. Come on now. You're not broke. You're blessed. I'm blessed and my children are blessed. Don't be speaking broke up in here. We're not broke. I'm sick. You're not sick. You just don't feel good today. It's not a denial of reality, but I'm not going to identify myself with anything other than what God says about me. I'm an addict. You're not an addict. You're struggling with substances right now. And the word of God has come to tell you today, he wants to deliver you. He wants to deliver you and set you free. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Oh, but the psychologist said, I don't care what the psychologist said. I'm not telling you don't take your medications. Some of y'all need to stay on your medications, please. Stay on the medications, okay? But before we call the psychologist, can we call on the Holy Spirit? Come on, can we start praying in faith? Can we start believing that God is for us? And if he be for you, who can be against you? Stand on your feet today. We're going to declare a war cry. This is not a a clap, clap, clap. This is God. We are going to shout and we are going to clap because we trust in who you have made us to be. Come on. We trust and believe that we are in the army of God. We are victorious in Jesus Christ. You are, oh God, our sword and our shield. And we will trust you with all of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.